Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be back with you. Uh, it is a very, uh, it's a very happy thing for me to be here when Josh and Lindsay are starting their first day. Uh, we got to know Josh in the last year or two and just thought really highly of him as we kind of got to know him and just to hear that the residency is working out. And, and if I were to say one thing to, um, to uh, your church, to Christ Redeemer, if anybody has any fears of, uh-oh, you know, like, we're going to lose. We're going to, this is, uh-oh, it's like draining the, draining whatever, the punch bowl. We're going to, there's not going to be enough for the, for us. It just never goes that way. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Uh, uh, Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. And I've just seen it over and over again, despite what maybe the nursery coordinator might say, from the immediate uh, sending of a group of people to start a new church. They, they get backfilled, and the nursery workers fill in again. That's, that's the one place I've seen the scream come at Bethlehem from, from the nursery. But uh, no, really, I, I just I feel like uh, the, the Lord has blessing and good for Christ's Redeemer in having them here for a year and a half or so. And your church will benefit, your church will be strengthened, grow in grace and knowledge, and so will they. And uh, it, it's just a win-win gospel recipe. Thought number one. Thought number two, thank you for welcoming me on the eve of my sabbatical. Actually, it's funny, the last, the last thing I'll do is go to a church business meeting at Bethlehem this afternoon. <laughs> so that'll be the last thing, and then, and then a sabbatical. I've had... This will be my second sabbatical in 31 years of pastoral ministry, so I am not wearing out that policy. <laughs> so, um, well, let me, let me climb into this. Um, when I was asked for a sermon text, um, I, I, could, I could give you my sermon text super simply. Because this is a topical sermon. You probably don't do topical sermons all that much. We do more exegetical sermons at Bethlehem and in our network. But this is a topical sermon. And uh, here, here's, my, here's my text that I can hang everything under, or almost everything. Psalm 4.3. The Lord hears when I call to him. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now turn in your Bibles to Psalm 4.3. The Lord hears when I call to him. There's the text for this morning. And um, I say that because I want to meditate on the fact that God hears us. My, my title is The Glory of God in Listening. I want to just think about how, how God listens to us. You know, the God who made the world and everything in it, who rules the universe by the word of his power, who sovereignly knows every bird that falls out of a tree, who, uh, who intimately and fully and, and, and happily is in relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, listens to us. He listens to us. The almighty, omnipotent, Holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, eternal God, God over all, listens to us. Christ, his Son, hears our prayers. The Spirit himself intercedes with us when we pray to press home our prayers. It, It ought to take your breath away that God hears 
our prayers. You know, and maybe, maybe this strikes me because I'm, I'm the youngest kid in, in a family of three siblings, and I was so used to not getting listened to. Right? You know, like, I just, it was a way of life, you know, just not getting listened to, and it didn't surprise me at all that nobody listened to me. And so, uh, the fact that God hears our prayers is amazing. Now, as I introduce this message about the biblical teaching that God hears our prayers, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going counter to the flow that we often emphasize, that God speaks, you know, right? God speaks. We hear Him. <laughs> he has a lot to say to us. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. I mean, it's coming our way, and our lives are changed, and we receive faith, and the work of the Holy Spirit, and growth in grace, and we come to know God all because He speaks. And In fact, the whole world, the whole universe, everything exists because He speaks. But what I want to do today is just kind of do the complementary piece to that. That that Bible, that God who speaks, tells us that he listens to us. So, you know, if, if, if I think about it, um, well, here, here's, my, here's, my, uh, here's my aim. I, I have it as my through line. I don't know if you know what a through line is, but a, a sentence that holds everything together. The fact that God hears our prayers ought to radically change your relationship to him and your relationships with other people. I'll read it again. The fact that God hears our prayers ought to radically change our relationship with him and our relationships with other people. So let me, let me pray toward that end. Father in heaven, you have spoken to us by your word and in your son through the gospel. We hear and we believe. And everything's changed. We are your people. You are our God. And, and you teach us and have taught us and are teaching us that when we speak, you hear our prayers. So, deepen our relationship with you, I pray. And may we reflect, reflect your glory in our relationships with other people as we might lovingly listen to them as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here's my outline. First, first I want to just, this is like point number one, wow. First I just want to observe the biblical teaching that God hears our prayers and go, wow, that's awesome, and worship him. Second, uh, point is, uh, let's think about how this shapes our relationship with him and how it, how it makes a difference in our relationship with him, the fact that he listens to us. And then third, let's think about how it shapes our relationships with other people. So first, we're going to just meditate and, and worship on the fact that God hears our prayers. Then we're going to think about how that shapes and impacts our relationship with him. And then we're going to think about how it how it shapes and influences our relationship with each other. And I am on an agenda, <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, and, and I get to this agenda from 31 years or whatever it is of pastoral ministry and observing the church and observing my own spiritual life. Uh, this is a burden I have for, for, for Bethlehem and for the churches of the network that we would be a people shaped by the fact that 
God, in, in all of his glory, listens to our prayers. I, just, I want it to make a gospel tangible difference in the cultures of our churches. I'll say no more. It, 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 that maybe will become clear as I go. Well, there's the outline. So point number one, God hears us. From all eternity, think about it. Within the Trinity, I, I infer that God hears and understands himself. I draw it from a few verses. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, uh, The Spirit comprehends the thoughts of God. Uh, Jesus says in John 11, after the resurrection of Lazarus, he says, John 11.41, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in communing with each other, they, they hear each other constantly. Even, even as Christ died for our sins, the Father heard his cries on the cross. Father, into your hands do I commit, commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46. And he breathed his last in order that new, the new covenant would be established such that sinners might call upon him and be heard. Remember in the Old Testament? Ah, take your pick. Psalm uh, 34, four, or 30, what, no, no. Sorry, this is, this is 1 Peter 3, 12, quoting Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, but his ears, or excuse me, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And yet then Christ dies for our sins to establish the new covenant, to establish the gospel such that all who call on the Lord will be heard, saved. That's amazing. So marvel at the fact that when you and I were unbelievers and probably Gentiles uh, outside of even the old covenant, when we heard the gospel and, and when we prayed, Lord, save me, he heard us. What a gift of grace. He heard us. As an enemy of God, he heard my cry when I said, Lord, save me. I believe, I, I, I want to receive Jesus and your grace to me. He heard us. So clearly, one of the first things you learn as a brand new believer, brand spanking new, uh, you learn that God hears when you cry. He hears us. And now... By the gospel, by the death of Christ for us, we have come to know God as our, as our Heavenly Father. We're taught this in His Word. And what do we know about the Heavenly Father? I mean, the teaching is really clear. Uh, he, he hears our cries. Uh, is there a father who, who, when his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? No. Fathers, hear their children. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? I, I always like to, Kenny's little uh, interpretive comment is, 
Uh, so when you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. But when you ask for a Twinkie, he might give you seven grain bread or something. <laughs> but he might not give you a Twinkie. <laughs> but he'll exercise his fatherly wisdom. So our, our Father knows exactly what we need. Uh, his Spirit within us prompts us to cry, Abba, Father. Uh, and so now, as believers, we grow in this. We learn. In, in our ex- anxieties, we call, God hears us. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cry for help. From His temple, He heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears, Psalm 18, 6. So Paul urges in Philippians 4, 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He'll hear and answer. I I love this. The Bible says, in the morning, God hears us, Uh, Psalm 5, 3. In the morning, you hear my voice. And then, how about this, Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Okay, I get it. All the time, God hears us. In our suffering, God hears us. Psalm ten seventeen. This is a, a verse I often pray when we gather as elders around someone who is suffering. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cries. And we pray with them with assurance that God hears. And when our experience of suffering pushes us to despair and to doubt whether God is hearing us, we have the testimony of several of the Psalms and not to mention the saints through the ages uh, assuring us that God hears us and helps Testimonies such as Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 118, 5. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. I, I wonder, I would love to do a survey of conversations with Jesus. You know, sometimes he speaks first and then the person that he's conversing with talks. And sometimes somebody comes up to him and speaks. And then he says something. The study I want to do is, does he ever, like, (laughs) does he ever do that? Does he ever not listen at all? Does he, I mean, even to Pilate, when he's silent, he eventually does say something. So I just wonder, wouldn't that be an interesting study? We, we had a little sampling of it at a conference a few months ago. Conversations with Jesus. I just would like to line them all up and see how Jesus does this listening. So praise God for his grace. Um, with the Apostle John. John in 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything... According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, 
we know that we have the requests that we have asked from him. So that's, that's point number one. Just, just wow. The, the gospel reality that God, the God of all the universe, his son Christ, by means of the Holy Spirit, hears our prayers. He listens to us. It is to his glory. He is not a rock. He's not an idol, like a raw stone. You know, the idols get mocked in the Old Testament. You're talking to a rock. He can't hear. Right? Our God's not an idol. He hears. Praise God. So what difference does that make in our relationship with him? You know, the fact that we're heard by God. How does that shape our relationship with him? Here's, here's some thoughts. I, I, I think I've numbered these correctly. I'm, it gets scary when I number things because the numbers get mixed up. So we'll try this. Uh, number one, that God hears us, gives us cause to love him. Psalm 116.1. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. It's reason to love God. Which incidentally, we know basic human interaction. If someone listens to you, it is a form of love, most often. So to be loved in return is what this verse is talking about. God God hears us, we love him in return. Number two, knowing that God hears us gives reason for us to pray. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Psalm 116, 2. You get the, the thinking. Well, because he heard me, I'm going to call on him, not only now, but as long as I live, Lord, I'm going to be calling. So please keep picking up the phone. <laughs> yes, you promise. So we love him, we call on him. Oh, this is a favorite verse. Just to reinforce the same point. I can't skip over this. Charles Spurgeon called this Robinson Crusoe's verse. Some of you might know what it is. You know, Robinson Crusoe, trapped on a desert island. Um, not desert island, ocean island. Middle of nowhere, shipwrecked. Psalm fifty fifteen. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. That God hears us gives reason to pray and to hope in his answer. Number three, knowing that God hears us reminds us that God knows us. And, and, and I go to Matthew 6 again for this. Um, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask. So ask, it, it'll get on to say ask, knowing that he knows what you need. And so I'm saying the fact that he hears us assures me that he knows me and understands what I need and will answer according to his love and his wisdom. Number four. Knowing that God hears us assures us, assures us that God cares, that he loves us. Not only do we love him in return, but he loves us. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Number five, knowing that God hears us reminds us that we are supported. We're not abandoned. Um, the verse is, uh, 
Psalm 34, 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And then it goes on, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We pray and we're reminded that he's, he's going to answer. He's going to be there. We're not abandoned. He'll, he'll save us even when we're crushed in spirit. I, uh, I want to just give you a, a brief overview, a little glimpse of this in the life of John Patton. Uh, John Patton wrote an autobiography about himself and his missionary work in the 18th century in the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. So he's one of these old, rough, gruff missionary types. You know, no airplanes, long boat rides to get where he went, one-way trips, no Skype. I mean, he had a hard life. And, and he writes this autobiography uh, in, his, in his old age. And I imagine him sitting somewhere in England or somewhere in the United Kingdom uh, with a sweater on and, and a fireplace and a pipe. And, and he's just kind of speaking of the grace of God in his rugged missionary life. And he recalls this incident when people were, natives were coming after him with guns, with muskets. And when he talks about how he spent the night in the tree and celebrated how God heard him, that's what I want. I want to read his, his quote about this. He said, I climbed into the tree and was left there alone in the bush. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but yesterday. I heard the frequent discharging of muskets and the yells of the savages. Yet I sat there among the branches as safe in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly in my soul than when the moonlight flickered among the chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow. And then here it is. As I told all my heart to Jesus. Jesus was never closer. The guns are going off. He's hiding in a tree all night long. Jesus was never closer as I poured out my heart to him. Alone yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree to feel again my Savior's spiritual presence and enjoy his consoling fellowship. It's number five. Knowing that God hears us reminds us that we are supported and not abandoned. Number six, knowing that God hears us encourages us to expect an answer. It's been implicit in all these. Go back to Matthew. Matthew 6, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Number seven, knowing that God hears us assures us when he doesn't answer as we expect him to. 
Okay, we know he hears us. He heard me yesterday. He heard me the day before. He heard me when I called on him for salvation. He heard me in this. Lord, how come you're not hearing? But we have assurance that he is. Because of his promise, because of his past faithfulness, we can count on his present faithfulness. And the, the text I go to for this is, is really kind of a, a, a stone for me, you know, a rock for me in the river of life. You know, where do I go when the waters are getting high? I go to 2 Corinthians twelve nine, and I just stand on that little rock. And the waters come up, and, and I'm okay. Paul says, three times I prayed for God to remove this thorn from me. And, and the Lord didn't do it. But remember what, remember the answer that Paul got. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There's his answer. So when you, it's a little bit like my Twinkie illustration, but maybe not so silly. You pray for a good thing. And, and the Lord doesn't grant that, but the Lord grants something better. Himself, the treasure, the indescribable gift, communion with Him that can never be shaken or taken. Knowing that God hears us, assures us, even when He does not answer, as we expect, because he will give us more of himself by means of the all-sufficient grace of Christ. Okay. That's how God listening to us shapes our relationship with him. And relationship is a good word. You know, we, we talk about where is the word personal relationship with God in the Bible? Where was that phrase? Well, what do you call it? <laughs> when we talk to him and he talks to us and we love each other, you know. We, relationship is a good word. Third, third point, though. So now, how does the fact that God is a hearing God, God hears our prayers, and our relationship with Him is shaped and influenced by that very fact that's ours by means of the gospel? How, how does how does that in, influence how we treat one another? especially in the church, but even beyond. What, you know, the fact is, this is a, a, a funny fact, um, what some of us have the gift of listening, some of us are really good listeners, but most of us aren't, right? Most of us aren't very good listeners. Uh, and you know how this goes. I mean, my, my wife will bust me. You know, we're talking to somebody, or, you know, like talking to our kids and grandkids are over, and I'm like, go pull up. She goes, Kenneth, <laughs> they're here now. <laughs> they're going to leave and they won't be here. Now is the time to listen. <laughs> uh, we, we know this. I, th- I hope you know this. That, that, uh, yeah, most of us need um, help and practice on listening to others and, and loving them accordingly. Um, you know, we're, we're checking our phones, we're thinking of the next thing to say, uh, or checking out of the conversation in a, in a thousand different ways. You know, I wonder what the twin score is right now. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm confessing. <laughs> you see? 
Hmm. But there is this inescapable connection between listening and love. You know, when, when others listen to you, you feel loved. When you listen to other people, you are loving them. Respecting them, you're loving them. The converse is true. When you are not listened to, you do not feel loved. And when you do not listen to other people, but only talk about what you have to say, they don't feel loved. They might not feel loved. And, and good night. Uh, friendships teaches, friendships will teach you this. Marriage certainly teaches you this, doesn't it? Uh, you know, when, when we, me as a husband, do not listen to my wife, love is strained. I know this. And vice versa. It's true in every relationship. Now, join me on this little, little journey. Um, the command to listen to one another is not in the Bible, right? If you can find it, you would really help me at this point in this sermon. <laughs> it's not there. Hmm. But it is implicit in the command to love one another and is clearly reflective of the glory of God. Just first two-thirds of the sermon. Let me show you. We are called to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. What do we know about God as dearly loved children? He hears us as a father listens to his children. Imitate him. Has implications on parenting, has implications on one another life, has implications on friendships. Uh, may we imitate him as we lovingly listen to one another. We're called to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6 2. But think about it. How in the world are you going to know somebody's burden? To bear it. If, they, you know, if you're not listening to it when they share it. To bear burdens means you've taken it in. How about uh, we're called to love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, 10. As I've already said, isn't it true that when we listen to others, we show affection, we show honor to them? How about this? We're, we're called to sympathy in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2. Sympathy in Christ Jesus for one another. Is it even possible to have sympathy for another person if you've not heard of their story? How do you sympathize with somebody's ups and downs and struggles and compassions and hopes and dreams? How do you do that? Unless you've listened to them. How do you, how do you, we're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, if you're not listening to their rejoicing, how do you join them? If you're not listening to their weeping, how do you weep? You know, like, okay, am I supposed to cry now? You know, like, it doesn't work that way. You have to hear. You have to hear. We're called to confess our sins one to another, clearly implying listening to each other as we confess and then seeking grace together. We're called to love one another as I have loved you. And I think mainly and concretely, this means 
Christ laid down his life for us, laid down your lives for each other. And look at the church, and you look at me, I'm still alive, right? I'm, I'm alive. So how do we do this short of dying for each other? Philippians 2 again. I think it looks like this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You lay down your life for other people by taking up their interests and not just your own. Basic implication of love one another as I have loved you, the new commandment. I do believe that when it comes to loving people by listening, Jesus would approve of this little summary statement. Let me try it on you. It's, it's a paraphrase of the golden rule with, with the application toward listening. Listen to one another as you would have others listen to you. Listen to one another as you would have others listen to you. Concrete expression of love for one another. And I, I really believe concrete fleshing out of the glory of God and how God treats us and therefore we become a people with a culture of listening and hearing. Okay, let me rattle off. I think I've got three, no, four, no, six. <laughs> Final points. Bear with me. Mm. This is the so what now. So what, what, what difference would it make in our life together? Uh, number one, we will be people who not only talk, but who also lovingly listen well to others. I mean, I'm a pastor, and pastors are kind of famous for talking all the time. <laughs> like, God, I love you know, we love to talk. We love to have an answer. I catch this in myself. And so I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. Uh, in your interactions with one another, I'm talking to parents. Um, one of the applications is we'll be people who not only talk, but who also lovingly listen well to others. I'm not saying there aren't times to speak. Clearly, there are times to speak. But there is an interaction, a give and take in, in love and in relationship where listening is not only expected, but required. Um, so that's number one. Number two, uh, our churches would, would have an ethos and a culture flavored by what Bonhoeffer calls the ministry of listening. So the little phrase, uh, I came across it in college, which is longer ago than I even want to think. But uh, in the book Life Together, there's a couple of pages on the ministry of listening. And Bonhoeffer writes this. You know Bonhoeffer's context. He's, he's in World War II. He's part of the uh, confessing church, kind of a persecuted church under the Nazi regime in World War II. And, um, and he's gathering with a group of seminaries and he, a seminarians, and he's writing about our life together, this rich Christian fellowship. And, and he says this about life together. The first service one owes to others in the community involves listening to them. 
Just as our love for God begins with listening to God's word, the beginning of love for other Christians is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us his word, but he also lends us his ear. We do God's work for our brothers and sisters when we learn to listen to them. So point number two, our culture, our ethos, be shaped and flavored with a ministry of listening. Number three, our evangelism would involve not merely talking but listening as well. I think our effectiveness would rise as we, we come in touch with where are, tell me about yourself. Uh, who was it that was asked, um, I think a couple of people have said this, I think Schaefer said this and some of the biblical counselors at CCEF said this, look if you have an hour with a person, how would you spend the time? And they said, well for 55 minutes I would listen so that I know I had something to say to them. Sidebar, not in this sermon, but Jesus never presents himself as a script to others. He always speaks to them. Woman at the well, I have living water. Hungry people on the hill, uh, bread of life. Uh, You know, he's just always changed. Uh, Lazarus, I'm the resurrection. I mean, he's always speaking in. He's revealing himself to them in their world with truth. And reality, not a script. I have to tell you, LA Fitness, no, no shame on LA Fitness. I probably have 25 calls from LA Fitness in my voicemail, and they all sound the same. Totally script. Different name. Hey, this is Janice calling from. And then, we don't want to sound like that in evangelism. We want to speak about the real Jesus whom we have come to know and speak to the people that we're speaking speaking to because we've heard them and we have something to say to them in their real life. Number four, our discipleship and biblical counseling will involve not only talking but listening. Let me go to Bonhoeffer and then to David Paulison. Bonhoeffer says, for Christians, pastoral care differs essentially from preaching in that here the task of listening is joined to the task of speaking. I could read more. (laughs) There is a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. This impatient, inattentive listening really despises the other Christian and finally is only waiting to get a chance to speak and thus to get rid of the other. This sort of listening is no fulfillment of our task. Our discipleship and biblical counseling would be shaped by, our, by not just talking, but by listening. Second supporting quote, David Paulison, the great biblical counselor who has helped the church so much uh, through CCEF, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. He just died this last week. Here's his quote. I've heard far too many Christians say that secular therapists heard them better than Christian friends biblical counselors, and pastors did. That is certainly a concern to us because generally, whoever hears best has the most influence. May it not be in the church that 
Unbelievers listen to us better than we listen to one another. And may it be that our influence of one another in grace and godliness and, and all the things of God would be shaped by the fact that we love and listen to one another. I feel really strongly about this. Uh, number, number five. I'm going to put a bucket load of things in this. We're working on three things at Bethlehem. I mean, we're working on a lot of things at Bethlehem. But let me, let me just put listening into, into these three things. Um, and you're, you're surely aware of some of these. You know, think of the, the racial tensions in the world. And we're heading into another election in 2020. And it, may it not divide the church like the 2016 one did. Well, how do we move in, in racial harmony among believers? Listen to one another. Let's not think that our perspective, our experiences about reality are the only experiences. Let me hear about your experience. I mean, I, I, I hate it that the church was divided so badly by the election, by politics. How could that happen in 2016? It's marked. It's demonstrable. There's tons of stuff written documenting a new divide. Maybe it's an old divide. But I'm telling you, when we head in, in two, two more years, it's going to happen again if we don't get better at listening to one another. Another one, you know, the Me Too movement. One, sometimes people say it crassly, short, shorthand. The Me Too movement came to the church. Yes, I, I, won't, I won't deny that. But uh, I just read a, a report called Caring Well. It came up from the Southern Baptist Convention, a one-year study about how to stand up against clergy sexual abuse in the church. Caring well. You can get it online. I had to look around for about 15 minutes to find it. Um, last night is when I found it. Um, Caring well, Southern Baptist Convention. They meet this week. We're, we're not Southern Baptist, but I'm very interested in what this report says. You know, it starts, the beginning of the report starts with stories. And if you think about it, how could, I mean, how could clergy sexual abuse run wild in the Roman Catholic Church in Ireland? And how can it run wild in evangelical gospel churches in, in America and all over the world? Would it not have come to a screeching halt had people listened? This happened. Another one we're working on is um, complementarity. We, we, we are a church who believes in, uh, there's a biblical manhood and womanhood that can be expressed in the, in the word complementarity, that, that God has unique roles for men and women in the family and in the church. And what we are after is a happy complementarity a complementarity that, that women would thrive in and men would thrive in and it would look happy. And biblical. And so in the journey of, of moving that way, one of the things we're doing right now is listening to women. We're saying, um, how are we doing with our complementarity? And one of the saddest responses we got was, well, 
I didn't think you wanted to hear. So we're listening. I was at a listening uh, session last, uh, what day? Thursday, a couple of days ago, just to gather our women and hear how, how things are going as women at Bethlehem. I do, I'm just, I, this, number five is just my bucket of, of challenging things that we're facing in the church today and how listening comes right in there and helps us to love well and, and lead well and do church well and, and be a people of God in a, in a way that's more reflective of the glory of God. Number six and last. Uh, our effectiveness in teaching our Sunday school classes, teaching our children, uh, our preaching will be more targeted to the hearts of our hearers if we take the time to listen and uh, know our people. Our children, our Sunday school class, our congregation, our, our teaching will change. It will become more, far more effective. So that's, uh, that's my burden. And uh, I pray that, uh, I pray the three points really, that you would, you would love and enjoy the fact that in Christ, God hears our prayers. Enjoy that grace and mercy. Pray, call upon him. Uh, when it feels like nobody else will listen to you, call. He's there, he's listening. And number two, let that dynamic shape your relationship with him. I don't think it can help but shape your relationship with him. As you love him and as you call on him and as he responds with nearness and sufficient grace. And then, and then the third one, may that reality shape who we are as individual believers and as, as a local church. May we be a, a listening people, a loving people. Yeah. Let me pray. Father in heaven, your, your word is good uh, and you have spoken to us so beautifully and clearly in your word, spoken to us by your son and, uh, and you've spoken to us in, uh, in the inner counsel of the Holy Spirit to knit it all together into, into our hearts and lives. So drive it in, I pray. And may we be to the praise of your glorious grace in these particular ways that we've been talking about as we enjoy our relationship with you and that you hear our prayers and that number two, that we would be a people more radically shaped as a listening people because of your grace to us in Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.